Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have this mistaken identity in a church. I call it the clergy mentality. Well, Pastor Mark, if I'm an apostle, if I'm a pastor, if I'm an elder, then obviously I'm called to do this. No, every single Christ follower is called to do this. Your calling is the same as my calling, exactly the same. I have a little different gifting that you have. All of these giftings work together. But I'm called, as you are called, to turn our world upside down. What do you think your job is as a follower of Jesus? Do you think of salvation as just fire insurance to be sure you don't go to hell? Did you ever think there might be more to this Christian thing than living your life and putting your time in at church? Well, in Pastor Mark's teaching today, you're going to find out that Jesus actually has a command for you. You're going to learn that his plan for his followers hasn't changed since the day he first said the words and that he expects you to obey them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke chapter 9 as he begins his message, Follow Jesus, Live Dangerously. Turn in your Bibles, New Testament, Luke chapter 9. Sometimes in our lives, we forget what the big picture is. We get so tied up with just life and all the cares of this life, we forget what the really big picture is. Is the life of a Christ follower like a walk in a park? It's just a walk in a park. Or is it a little more like this adventure on the swinging bridge? You never know whether you're going to go under or not. Tell me, which one do you think it is? It's the bridge. By the way, which lifestyle do you think Jesus lived? Do you think Jesus came here and he, when he went back and he said to the Father, Hey, man, those 33 years were a walk in the park. It was just a... Do you think so? I don't think so. You see, when you see this swinging bridge, there's two things I want you to remember today. You don't have to write it down loud because you'll get it later. Live dangerously. And if you don't turn your phone off, it will be living dangerously. <laughs> living dangerously. I'm reading a new book. I'll finish it this week. If it's as good as I think it is so far, you'll love it. Here's two quotes from it. Number one. We need to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. That's powerful. 
Second, Jesus didn't die on the cross to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. You see what happens? Many Christians simply quit living after they accept Christ. They come to Christ, they have their fire insurance, and they simply just wait till the train comes to take them to heaven. They'll show up to church once in a while. The average Christian in the United States comes to church on the average about two times a month, if it's a good month for them. Many, many people come once out of every four weeks. They rarely open their Bible. It goes in the back of their car. They'll catch it, bring it out here. Their lifestyle really has nothing to do with God, and yet they have fire insurance. Well, that's not at all the way Jesus designed our life. You see, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's a whole different outlook. It isn't this casual, arrive safely at death, I'm home free, praise God, I made it to heaven. It's a lifestyle of living dangerous. I'll explain that in a moment. When Jesus began his ministry, he made a radical statement. It's Mark 1.15. He said this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. You see, when Jesus arrived, the religious environment was dead religion. Many of the individual Jews forgot Judaism. Forget it. Ritual, routine, rules. There was no life, no joy, no peace. It didn't affect them. And Jesus came on the scene and he made this radical statement. He says, look, it's time to get our world turned right side up. It's time that people are transformed. It's time people are taken from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And so to accomplish this, Jesus began to model a life of living dangerously. It was a radical obedience to God. You see, God designed you to be like Jesus. He designed me to be like Jesus. And we are to simply take risks. We're to live dangerously. I'll explain it in a moment. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, what do I mean by living dangerous? Let me tell you what I don't mean. Some of you may have watched this week, and don't email me, just relax, it's going to be all right. Some of you watch some people with their cars, They came to a road that was blocked. And so they went as fast as they could to get through the water, as if that's going to help. And of course, then the water just what? Came right over them, and you see them all along the sides of the road. I'm not talking about that living dangerously. That's living stupidly. (laughs) That's why I told you, don't email me. By the way, anybody here ever do anything stupid? Let's raise our hands. Yes, absolutely. Maybe it's one of your cars. Okay, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. See, that was your idea. If I go fast enough, I know I can get this little midget through this water. Whatever. What do I mean by living dangerously? Here's the definition. Write it down. Number one, live dangerously means this, simply to obey and follow God. It has nothing to do with your idea. It's always God's idea. 
And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that when we obey God and begin to follow him, I don't really know what the outcome is going to be. I know eventually I'm going to get to heaven, but you're going to see the life of a Christian is to be dangerous. We simply trust God with the details of our lives. We don't know the outcome. We know one thing. God knows what tomorrow is going to bring. How many of you, the book of James warns us about this. How many of you think you know what tomorrow is going to bring? Well, we live like we do. How many would have thought a week after, I mean, last Sunday, if I would have said to you, well, have a great week. I know what's going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. Did you know what was going to happen? Yes, Pastor Mark, I know what's going to happen. Well, do you know what's going to happen this week? Yes, I do, Pastor Mark. I've been watching Channel 9 News. <laughs> you think that's going to help? They were pretty good in their forecast, right? Yeah, it's going to go on the West Coast and go out that way. And it's going to come over here. It's going to be here for a couple of hours. It's going to go. How many know all of that was wrong? <laughs> so we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So what does live dangerously mean? It means this. God designed my life and your life to trust him. So when God says, do this, step out in faith and do this, I don't say to God, um, what's the outcome if I do? Give me a choice here. No, we trust him. We don't know what the outcome will be. That's why it's called live dangerously. We don't know how it's going to go. We just simply, and that was the lifestyle that Jesus lived. Every day he got up and he would say this, I just do what the Father asked me to do. I'm not sure what that's even going to be today. See, he left that divinity aside, and he walked this earth as a man. Now, understand, as you obey and follow Jesus, it requires us to live dangerously. Now, we begin in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You see, the disciples had watched Jesus preach, teach, and heal. Jesus was their teacher. He was their role model. So now he says to them, here's a little test run for you guys. These 12 disciples. And... He would send them out on this little bitty test run. It's a short test run. Later, they would have a lifestyle of doing what they're going to test. But right now, it's just a short little time. And I want to remind you of four or five things today. Number one, our calling. Our calling. First thing for you to write down, our calling. Every Christ follower is called by God to turn their world upside down. We have this mistaken identity in a church. I call it the clergy mentality. Well, Pastor Mark, if I'm an apostle, if I'm a pastor, if I'm an elder, then obviously I'm called to do this. No, every single Christ follower is called to do this. Your calling is the same as my calling, exactly the same. I have a little different gifting that you have. All of these giftings work together. But I'm called, as you are called, to turn our world 
upside down. So Jesus sends these 12 out as a team. And they go out and they have this mentality of changing the world. Now, how am I going to get you into the story today? Here's how. I want you to be one of the 12. I want you to put yourself right in the story. You're going to go out. You're going to be sent out. You're going to see what it's like. You're going to come back. You're going to report to Jesus. So to kind of get you into it, just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm Apostle Mark or Apostle Jane. Go ahead. Just share that with your neighbor right now. (laughs) Didn't know you were going to be called Apostle, huh? Or disciple. By the way, we only use that here. If I see you in the store, don't say, hey, I'm Apostle John. (laughs) I'll have something else to say. You're living dangerously if you do that. All right. Now, I want to remind you that you're one of those 12 disciples or apostles. You see, I'm called to live dangerously right now in Brevard County. Linda and I will be speaking at a Calvary Chapel conference in Hong Kong and dedicating the Calvary Chapel in Singapore. That's great. That's wonderful. I love it. I'm going to live dangerous there. But most of the year, I live dangerous right here. You don't have to go overseas. So I want to say to you, your calling is to simply obey God and live dangerously, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Well, when we do that, what's my equipment going to be like? How does it function? How do I know it'll be a good result? Well, look at chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. He gave them power and authority. Next thing you want to write, our spiritual equipment. We have a calling, now we're equipped. What is that equipment? God equips every Christ follower with, number one, his power and his authority. We don't go in our own wisdom. We don't go in our own abilities. We go in the power of God. Now, the power simply, that word just simply means spiritual ability. Second, authority. Authority, maybe we don't understand too much today, but it's very clear. It's the lawful right to exercise the power. First, I have to have the power. Then I have to have the right to exercise it. In other words, it's delegated power. Let me show you how that works. On this campus here in Melbourne, specifically, eventually when... The VR gets their own campus, they'll have a policeman out there doing the same thing. But here, if you come on this campus today, when you approach the parking lot, you saw a police officer holding up his hand. He says, stop. Now, he doesn't have the power to cause your car. If you go, forget it, I'm... He, he couldn't stop your car. Why did you stop? Because he has the authority. See, the government has told him we must obey our police officers, our traffic signals. So it's simply you stop because he had the authority, the lawful right to exercise his power. Well, how does that work? If I go out and minister to God, I have his power, but do I have his authority to minister for him? Absolutely. Keep your finger right there, Luke. Go right back, a couple books, the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, before Jesus went back to heaven, he gave what's called the Great Commission. It doesn't apply just to disciples, it applies to all of us. And he made some statements that you need to understand. While on earth, Jesus operated 
with power and authority. That's how he cast out demons. That's how he did all his miracles. Look at Matthew 28, go down to verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So on earth, Jesus had what? He had power and he had authority. And then he says this, therefore, as he's getting ready to go back to heaven, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's exactly what I'm doing today. And surely I am with you always by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit to the very end of this age. So Jesus, before he went back to heaven, he took his power, which is the Holy Spirit, and his authority... And he transferred them to who? To you. Raise your hand. If you're a Christian, Christ follower, raise your hand. He transferred his power and authority to who? To every one of you. He transferred it. See, but when you became a believer, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. That's why he said his presence will never live you. His house is your house. So the very power and the very authority that Jesus operated with, I have. It's not my power. It's not my authority. It's God's delegated power and authority. I speak, I minister for God. So I have the calling and I have the equipping. It's a team effort. We go together and work with God. Now, how do I know that I have this power? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power I have from God is not my ability. It's just my availability. Now, head on back to Luke chapter 9. I have my calling, so do you. I have my equipping. What's my assignment? Verse 1 and 2, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What's my spiritual assignment? Here it is. I'm to use God's power and God's authority for one thing. Number one, actually two things. Number one, to proclaim the good news. The word proclaim simply means to herald the good news. Understand, we have good news. We have a message that people need and want to hear. God can redeem them. He can restore them. He can revolutionize their life. He can put their marriage back together. He can get them off of drugs. He can eliminate that demon possession in their life. He can turn their world right side up. As you're being challenged by this, you're going to be reminded that all around you are people that need to hear the good news. You say, well, how is that going to work? Well, it's not only to share the gospel, that people are sinners, sinners are separated from God, they need peace and joy, any life can change. But the second thing is, I'm to minister. You see, Jesus said, go out, heal, deliver, change lives. Now, I can't heal, I can't deliver. But I can pray for people to be healed and pray for people to be delivered from demons. Pastor Mark, demons, they're like not in the world, are they? Well, yes, they are. There still is demon possession. 
And so we have the power to do that. Plus, it's simply to show the love of God, i.e., when we head down to the places that were affected by faith, we go to show what? Love. Jesus loves our spirit. He loves my body. And he loves my mind. He came to minister to the whole of man, not just one aspect. So we are going to go in this. What is the bottom line? It's very simple. Changed lives. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. It's to have our lives changed on this earth. It's to have changed lives. 20 years after the disciples in the upper room, 120 people in the upper room, 20 years after that, look how Christianity has spread. It says in Acts 17, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. You see, that's what we're after, turning Brevard County upside down, having lives radically changed, families changed, personal relationships changed, work changed, money changed, possessions changed, whatever. When God comes into our life, nothing remains the same. Well, look at verse 3. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. You know, the airlines have read that verse. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? Look at the next verse. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. What is my mentality to be when I step out and take a risk, when I live dangerously for God? Here it is. Number one, travel light. What Jesus is simply saying is this. You've gotten too comfortable. Now, let me remind you what this is. This is a little mini trip. This is not long term. When we get to the church and how it's structured later, the Apostle Paul says, pay your pastors, pay your elders, pay the people that do the accounting and all that stuff. We do that. This is a little teeny ministry. Jesus had a treasurer. But understand, Jesus says, travel light. Don't get too tied up with lots of stuff. Yeah, but what are we going to eat? Jesus says, can you trust me? You'll have something to eat. But where are we going to stay? You can trust me. There'll be a place to stay. Now, is Jesus asking these disciples in their little test run to do something he didn't do? No, he's not. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He didn't even have a place to lay his head. You see, he trusted his heavenly father. Now, I'm not saying we sell our homes and get rid of our pillows. What I'm saying is, and listen to me, we become too comfortable. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about when Jesus sent his disciples out on their own. He found out that they were expected to rely totally on God's provision. They weren't to take anything except the clothes on their backs. You learn that even though you might not be called to live in that manner, that your attitude is to be one of trusting God for everything. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish up his teaching, Follow Jesus, Live Dangerously. You'll hear more about how the disciples were to live when they were sent out on their own. You'll discover that trusting God for your guidance in life can be risky. You risk not having your own way in life decisions. You'll learn that when you obey God without question, your life will be exciting. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Follow Jesus, Live Dangerously. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd